Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply run efficiently and cost us a little bit and there's a little misfortune too i mean i thought odo had a pretty good night um you know they got a, they got one of their runs out of bl- on a play that was an in-between hop and we couldn't field it cleanly only got one out and, and bradley hits one off the end of the bat and we couldn't get a double play there either but yeah um you know we didn't we didn't do a lot with the bats um clevenger was good uh just came down to you know trying to find a way to get back to even, which we did with Miggy with one swing, and, and then, you know, they put together the rally there in the bottom of the ninth. Dude, I think, I think Cleveland, Cleveland's not going to finish with the best record in the American League, and I think for the regular season, it's pretty obvious they're not a Houston or a juggernaut, but I feel like Cleveland, when you look at their top three starters, and you look at Brad Hand, they can put Clevenger in the bullpen for a playoff series, yep. and he can go multiple innings, yep. and then you look at the top five or so hitters in that lineup, Good luck beating that team in a seven-game series. I mean, there are some really good teams in the American League. Boston's going to win like 110 games. If their bullpen, if their bullpen stabilizes now, which it should, they'll be in good shape. And oh, your guy just missed. And that's another bogey for Tiger. This I think is, he got lucky. It, you know, it, it's this is tough to watch. By the way, it's fortunate when you're able to have like 20 rows of people protecting the outer rims of the rough. So is that, that what you need? You can. It's like bumper bowling. You can hit a yeah. ball. 50 yards left, it'll ricochet off someone's head and back toward the green. You should just start to pay people to show up to watch you golf so that you would have the same advantage the Tiger does right now. Yeah. Hey, he's he righted the ship there for a while, but now he's he's back hitting balls like I, feel, I would. I feel bad for him. Um, so, all right, on the mm-hmm. Twins here. Mm-hmm. Rep Bollinger wrote a piece, and Dan Hayes followed up on it. We'll talk to him in like 10 or 15 minutes. But from MLB.com, the Twins are experimenting with an opener just like the Rays have done frequently this season, where you start the game with a relief pitcher, and then your starting pitcher picks up in like the second inning. So the Rays started doing this, not every game, but they started doing it on a pretty regular basis. And that now that they've traded Chris Archer, I'm guessing they're... I haven't looked, but I'm guessing they're doing this a lot more even, because Chris Archer would start a game because he's, you know, he's a good pitcher. But uh, they own the best ERA in baseball since mid-May when they started doing this opener thing. And I think... A lot of baseball traditionalists, I've heard guys like Jack Morris, I've heard old school guys just savaging them. How can you, this is ridiculous. You know, you're just trying to outsmart the room and et cetera, et cetera. The old school baseball people don't like it? Yeah. yeah. Well, they're having a ton of success doing it. And the Twins hired their analytical pitching guru away from them this offseason. And people are saying that it was Josh Kalk. Josh Kalk is the guy's name. That Josh Kalk is the one that helped lay the groundwork for this strategy by the Rays, and now they're implementing it now that he's gone. Um, like he's maybe not getting the credit over there, but that he comes over here, and it's not that the Twins are copying the Rays necessarily, but they're they just took the guy who came up with this idea and they employed him 
in the front office. So I want to give you the three reasons why teams use an opener or why the Rays are using an opener and why the Twins have experimented with this in the minor leagues and why it might spill over into the major leagues. Sure. I think a lot of people are like, what? Like, why? Just, just put your starting pitcher out there, right? This is ridiculous. Why are you trying to outsmart the room? So number one, it allows you to use one of your best short burst pitchers. You're, you're not going to put some slappy out there. You're not going to put you know, your fifth best reliever. You're going to go with a legit setup guy to pitch in that first inning. Maybe it's Trevor Hildenberger for the Twins, but there's other teams that have a lot better options to put out there. A lights-out, short-burst guy against a team's best hitters because most teams are stacking one through three or one through four with their three best hitters. Mm-hmm. You're not holding your best, your second-best hitter until the five spot or something. Your best hitters are one, two, and three usually right now. So if you can get a platoon advantage, that would be reason number two. A platoon advantage, maybe there's two lefties in there and you have a right-handed starting pitcher. Well, you could put a lefty out there and have a better edge against the number one and number three hitters than you would if you ran a right-handed starter out there just for the first inning. Yep. But the most important reason, and I never would have really thought about this. This is a really interesting twist, and I'm sure I'm sure some pitchers are going to be different than others, but it helps alleviate a starting pitcher's struggles a third time through the order. I like that one the most, yeah. Because so he'll start his outing facing the middle, like the let's say the four, five, six hitters. And if most teams are putting their two best hitters in that two and three spot, so you start the game and you're not facing, it's not like you're facing minor league hitters in the middle of an order, but but you avoid facing the high on base percentage, maybe even the, the big time power guy in that three spot. And you start the game with middle and bottom of the order. And your third trip through the order is your second time facing the top of the order rather than your third time. Right, so you avoid that. And you're out of the game Maybe in the fifth or sixth inning, you're out of the game before you have to face their best hitters a third time. Yep. And it's so it's little edges. It might not, in one individual game, it might not matter. But over the course of six months, if you do this on a regular basis, what, what if you gain a 10 or 15% edge in terms of runs allowed? And let me give you a guy who I think this could apply to in a big way to start 2019. And now eventually you wouldn't do it, but to start 2019, it makes sense. Fernando Romero, young guy. Has really good stuff. Mm-hmm. He's going to he's going to start for you. But if you say to yourself, "How can we put this kid, uh, who, who the third time through at at his age now might struggle? How can we find the best possible way to put him in a position to succeed and therefore gain gain confidence?" And it, that to me would, would be the exact type of guy to start that, that with. That doesn't mean that you would do that for an elongated period of time. Yeah. But I think in April of two thousand nineteen. And May that could make a lot of sense for him. And it's and maybe he's a guy that has three dominant pitches. And like Barrios is a guy that I think you just put him out there and you hope he goes seven yeah. innings, yes. right? So there's going to be some guys that you just ride. Barrios, you ride. I think Fernando Romero might be a guy at some point, maybe not next year, but that you ride because he's Absolutely, got that yeah. repertoire. But for guys that you don't, Jake Odorizzi is a good example. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, let's see here. Times facing an opponent here. Odorizzi first time through the order. So first plate appearance against Jake Odorizzi. Opponents are hitting 230, and they're not really hitting for power. They have, they're slugging when 356. The plays, yes, that's good. Yeah. Second time through the order, mm-hmm. opponents are hitting 237 off Jake Odorizzi this year. Mm-hmm. Third time through the order, 364, and they're slugging 850. They're the third time through the order against Jake Odorizzi this year. Opposing teams are just putting nine Barry Bonds in the lineup. Again, mm-hmm. that's basically what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so you make that problem even worse if he 
So he struggles third time through the order, and third time through the order against a team's three best hitters, it's going to be even worse, right? So if you can minimize that damage, you'd like him to go three times through an order, or two and a half, let's say, and if that two and a half can come against, if the half can come against the bottom of the order instead of the top of the order, that's validation for putting a different pitcher in in the first inning, and then he eats from like two through six or something like that, Yes, and then you bring in other relievers to finish the game. I know, if, I know there's people screaming at the radios, well, just find better starting pitchers. And yes, that would be awesome. But the reality is, you're pretty rarely going to have yeah, five there's... awesome starting pitchers in your rotation. Okay. So how can you game the rest of your right. pitchers to make this work better? Here's the way to think about this, though. is is And this is a good thing. Sports are evolving and changing. And, and smart teams have ideas. Some of them are going to flop and not work. Some of them are going to, to eventually become adopted by lots of teams. So how can you take this and use it and use it to help you? Two things I see. One is you certainly could do it for your four and five starters because those guys just simply aren't as good. But if you also use this philosophy for a young starter who you want to establish as much confidence as possible and the third time he goes through doesn't get hit hard, it makes sense too. Mm-hmm. And and to your point before, this is also something where, where if – Brios had been subjected to this to start his career. By now, it would be done. Mm-hmm. But to start his career, it makes sense. So I think that I think part of the problem with all of us as sports fans is we're so conditioned because we are we are the ultimate or I shouldn't say we. Lots of us are the ultimate people who are guilty of. But we've always done things a certain way, and we look at things that are new. And instead of saying, "Oh, hold on a second, that it's weird," and I don't know if I like it, but I'm going to I'm going to at least examine it. Mm-hmm. We just immediately have backlash and say, you can't do do that. It's stupid. Typical race. They're cheap, and it's just typical race. All right, but what if you're a good team or a more successful team, and you adopt that? And if you, as to, to use your phrase, game the system, and it works, guess what? More teams are going to do right, it. And here's a, more, here's a more concrete example. Let's go back to Jake Odorizzi. So Jake Odorizzi this season, when he gets to his 75th or 80th pitch, it's a disaster. So he's he's actually really good for the most part between pitches one and like seventy five or eighty. Some guys like Barrios, or I bet if you went and looked, Barrios is going to be really strong up until pitch a hundred. Not every pitcher is going to be the same. Some pitchers like um, Nolan Ryan was throwing gas and still getting hitters out thirty years ago on his one hundred fortieth pitch, two hundred thirty one game. So there's. I think so often we think of it in terms of you're either a reliever or you're a starter. And if you're a reliever, you throw one inning. And if you're a starter, you throw uh, seven innings or 100 pitches. But I think it's a spectrum. It's a, it's a sliding scale. There are some pitchers that are effective up to 75 or 80 pitches. And then whether it's just an opposing lineup getting a third look at them and figuring them out, or they're just not that dominant, or they get tired, whatever it is. And then there's some guys that can throw an extra 40 pitches beyond that. So Jake Odorizzi... When he gets to pitch 75-100, according to baseball reference, he allows hitters a 1,091 OPS. That's a 316 average, and they slug over 700, okay? Yep. So if Odorizzi's pitch count is rising, and some of this is going to be different based on game flow, but if you could make it more likely that he faces the bottom of the order or is only facing the best hitter for a second time rather than a third time, Right, it makes him more effective and it gives you a better chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. So and again, in, in one individual example, you could point and say, oh, 
Well, know, it didn't work this time. Yes, but over six months, this is a really interesting viable strategy. This might get laughed at by some, but I think the encouraging thing here as well is this. The twins are now giving thoughts to being to being on to at least being on top of things that are new. Because you think about how long this team didn't give didn't even give that a, a second thought. I guarantee you, there was a time when certain twins officials w- would have looked at this and been like, "We're not doing that." Yeah. Let's before we get to Dan Hayes because he actually followed up with people in the front office on this. Uh, Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing? Hey, my thing is, is I think Order Rizzi's a bad example to use. If he's doing that well the first two times through the order, I would rather have him start the game instead of having a guy out of the bullpen that's out of his element pitch one inning. What's the difference if Order Rizzi, if you know he's that bad after he gets through the lineup the second time, then pull him out, pull the bullpen and guy in. It doesn't make any sense. If he's that dominant, why not give your team a chance to score some runs then bring the bullpen in after him. He's, I think he's just a bad example you're using. If he's that, like I said, if he's that good the first two times through the lineup, leave him in there. If you don't start him. Right, you know, but maybe other guys, I know what you're saying. But, but I, thank, Thanks, Jeff. But I, think, think of it this way. All right, the average pitcher right now, the average starting pitcher, faces about 23 to 25 batters in a game. It used to be 100 years ago, it was 35, right? He stayed in the whole game. Sure. So if if I know that he's only going to get twenty three to twenty five batters on average to face, mm-hmm. I'd rather I'd rather he you know I'd rather he only face the best hitters as little as possible, so that he can pitch longer. So if you do it the way Jeff's saying, you have to pull him after four innings every single time because what we're going now we're we're going to the mm-hmm. third time through the order and the best hitters are the first ones you face third time through the order. You'd be able to squeeze an extra inning on a more regular basis out of him by starting him in the second instead of starting him in the first if you thought you had to pull him third time through the order once he faces those good hitters. Let's, all right, this is all getting a little bit confusing, but let's come back and get Dan Hayes' thoughts on this. He actually talked to the Twins front office about this and what their plans are. Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd, let's bring Dan Hayes in here from The Athletic, find all of his Twins coverage. We just spent the last segment talking about and explaining the strategy behind the opener, which is what the Rays have had a lot of success with, just starting the game with a really good relief pitcher and then going into your starting pitchers. You wouldn't do it with everyone. Like, Jose Barrios is a horse that you want to ride for seven or eight innings, so you might not do it with him, but... You've talked to people with the Twins, Dan. What's your read on where the Twins are at with this? They've been experimenting with it. What's the thought process? You know, I, I think you're right. Jose Barrios, you probably don't do it with. I don't know that you do it with Kyle Gibson. Um, it, it really is dependent on the rotation. And if you go in the way the Twins went in this year, there might have only been like one or two guys you even have thought about doing it with. Um, but... You know, I mean, it's a totally interesting concept where, they, and and they've been trying it out in the minor leagues because they looked at the way some of their young pitchers, their their starters, you know, they they bring them up for depth um, on a day they need a fresh arm. And Aaron Slager's pitched, you know, five and a third in long relief one day, and you had uh, Zach Littell come out of the bullpen um, in the tenth inning in Milwaukee, which you know it was him or or Belial at the time, I think, and and I know that. <laughs> You know, they it, it was an uncomfortable spot for a young guy, and and so what they're looking at now is they're like they're saying, hey, why don't we try this out with some of the guys down in Double A, Triple A, and and you know it's it's not the easiest thing in the world, 
for guys to kind of just accept and, and roll with. But the idea is they want them to just not be in that, that routine. They want them to be out of their comfort zone a little bit and, and hopefully prepare them for major leagues and, and chance to come up and do it here. And then when they're thrown in those situations, they won't be sort of like a fish out, you know, out of water. They'll be a little bit more adapted to it. And so I, I don't know if they'll try it here um, in the final month, but there's a possibility. I mean, look, you look at Sunday alone and uh, with Mejia out, uh, well, sorry, Mejia undecided still um, going into today. Um, what, why not try it there potentially? You know, if you're, if you're bringing up a young guy, why not throw, say, I don't, I, I don't even know who the reliever is that starts the game for you at this point, but I, I always thought Presley would be a great, yeah. you know, potential guy. You're facing the Angels and they have, you know, Kinsler, and they at the time when they faced them, you know, they had a bunch of t- tough righties, including Trout at the top. And I mean, it worked for the Rays, and and it's really worked. I mean, their their first inning ERA going into last night, and finally Ryan Stanek gave up two runs after 17 uh, first innings in a row, scoreless to start the year. Um, but going into last night, they had a 2.87 ERA in the first inning. Everybody else in baseball had a 4.62. Wow! And I mean, that that's Jeez. considerable and. And so it, it's a really random concept, uh, but it, it seems very well thought out. And it, obviously the Rays are a team that experiments and stuff like crazy. The Rays ERA as a team is like uh, nine-tenths down since they started doing it. So, you know, there, there's some merit to it, and I think the Twins might try it out. Hey, Dan, what, what's your theory about, and th- this was a problem last night for sure, but, but it's been a season-long problem for the Twins. What's your theory about uh, how fundamentally unsound that this team can be at times? Because last night, last night surprised me, not because there's a playoff race here, but you've got a lot of guys who are auditioning either for jobs or to keep jobs. And, and I mean, this is, this is screwing up things that, that you've worked on since the spring. Why do you think this team has uh, continually throughout the course of 2018 had so much uh, trouble getting it right from a fundamental standpoint? Well, you know, it, it's been, I don't know, it's just been one of those years. I, I think one part to that is that your core guys that you were planning on going with missed so much time. Um, I mean, you look, Jake Cave had a rough game last night in the first inning alone. That was and he's had a couple of weeks in center field where it hasn't quite looked great. I mean, he's he's a center fielder. He's getting he, he's he's been doing a good job at times out there. But I think he's a guy you want to occasionally put out there. But with Byron Bucks now, he's been playing center field every day. Um, you look at Logan Forsyth run into that out at second. You know that we've seen a lot of that. Um, it's, it has not looked good. I don't know if there's any reason you pin it on. Obviously, this is a staff that. Is very detail oriented. I mean, early on in the year, I remember uh, Eddie Rosario made that great catch. Kyle Gibson had the no hitter in Baltimore, and Rosario made that great diving catch where he tipped it up to himself and somehow caught it. And and you talk to the team, and and that's because Jeff Pickler's had these outfielders lying at like on the ground in strange angles, trying to catch the ball. I mean, so it's clear that the staff has really is detail oriented like that and yet at the same time they've had so many outs and on the bases and just abundance of weird plays that have happened and it just it's something stuck with them all year and and you know you look at last night and how they were even at two to one going into the ninth inning and snow hits the home run to tie we're not sure it felt like it was five to one felt like it was seven to one i mean 
there were so many miscues, and, and it's it's cropped up a lot this year. But that, that does happen when you have a bunch of guys who come in to replace the guys you normally would play with. Um, and, and you look around, and, you know, a lot of these guys were late to the organization. Uh, the, the Lomos, Jake Cave was like mid to late March. Uh, obviously, more, or, uh, Forsyth was just acquired. But, I mean, you know, it, it's just been a strange year. Okay, I want to go back to this opener thing because I just thought of something that, I don't know, this is probably a fairly obvious thing for people who've thought about it more than I have, but if you use your best relievers, let's say you've got three relievers that are that are really good, all right, and um, and you use them all 70 times, 60 to 70 times in a year. Let's say your setup guy you use 70 times in a year, like your Ryan Presley. Yeah. The way that you currently use those guys, and I'm making these numbers up a little bit, 50, 45, 50, 55 of those 70 outings are going to be in re- you know, really close games. You're protecting a lead or it's a tie game. But there's always going to be like 10 to 15 kind of throwaway outings for those dudes. Oh, he hasn't pitched in three days. we got to get him some work, right? Or, yeah. well, uh, these two guys were burned out yesterday, and so we're just going to put uh, our third best reliever in a game that doesn't really matter anymore. If you started the game with your Craig Kimbrell or your Ryan Presley, whoever that may be, and you went into the season saying, we're going to use him 65 or 70 times, and it's always going to be a tied game because we're using him in the first inning. Doesn't that make that player's appearances more meaningful, even though he's not locking down a win for you at the end? I, I think that there's a, a good point to that there. I mean, I, I do think that, yeah, especially the first inning. If, if teams are scoring that many runs in the first inning, you know, it's clear that's one of the biggest innings to to get on the board and get going. If you can shut down that top of the uh, opposing lineup and and then your starter comes in and uh, you know the starter the second time through that's the first time they've the top of the order and and they've had a little bit of a chance to roll i mean i yeah it does make it meaningful i think one of the keys to it is having a deep bullpen i think you have to have probably four to five really good arms in that bullpen because you still do need to have somebody there yeah get those final outs um and you need your starter to be adaptable and and be able to go at least you know 20 batters in there and and that's one thing that i do like about this is you know teams are so aware of what pitchers do uh third time through and this kind of eliminates that i mean again you're you're putting the reliever up against that one two three and and hopefully taking out you know, one of the three times that your starter would face them. Again, I don't know that this is a problem for like a Jose Barrios. Guys that have four pitch mix, this isn't a problem. Teams with big starting rotations that are are really good, it's not a problem. Um, And I I think the Twins kind of see themselves as a team that would uh, probably going forward be a a full rotation and not really need this too much. I mean, the Rays going in were a four-man rotation. They had a bunch of injuries. Um, they, you know, Evaldi missed a couple games. Uh, I think Evaldi's only made ten starts all year, and obviously now he's in in Boston. Uh, Yankees um, Archer's gone. He only had eleven starts for them, something like that. So they ran into this and used it out of necessity. But here we are in August and September, and you know it's it's it, it's intriguing. So why not look into it? And yeah, it makes your relievers a lot more valuable. Speaking of pitching, so Lance Lynn. Unhappy the entire year, leaves here, is now overjoyed, and I, I think the, so. He pitched. Uh, he started against the White Sox a couple nights ago, Dan Hayes, and then I believe before that he got into a game in relief against Baltimore. Long story short, Lance Lynn, eleven plus innings pitched, no earned runs. 
it's fitting for the 2018 Twins that this guy can go from, and I know he improved, so, but nonetheless, it's fitting that he can go uh, from being miserable here and pitching like it to now going there and actually contributing, even if it's a start against the White Sox. I, it's, it's pretty hilarious. And we did see, honestly, I thought his best performance all year was the one the night that Escobar had been traded in Boston. Um, he gave up an opposite field home run to Jackie Bradley Jr. that you could tell he was surprised about. But otherwise, um, just the two runs against Boston and six innings on a team when his day was, or on, on a day when his team was crushed. I mean, man, that was a, that was a rough day, but he, he delivered and he had made some adjustments. He'd already been on a good trending uh, upward kind of path, and but he made further adjustments with uh, with Garvin Alston and, and really listened to what they were saying. And and I know that that has uh, part of it's moving over on the uh, the pitching rubber. I know that part of that has really gone into this, and it took him all the way till his, one of his final starts with the Twins to really, you know, as one person said, stop being a little bit stubborn because. You know, he was throwing the ball well all year, but I think he, he mixed it up a little bit more um, as far as his pitch, you know, mix. And it, it's looked great for the Yankees. And, yeah, I'm sure the Twins are wondering where that was uh, all year. I mean, again, a rough start. There were a lot of factors into what was going on with him. But um, it definitely has been rough for the, the Twins to see what he's done over there. I mean, it's been fantastic so far with the, uh, with the Yankees, including that relief appearance where he went four and a third, I think. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Follow his Twins coverage and subscribe. He does an awesome job. We, uh, we appreciate you adding some context here to the, to the opener strategy, too. By the way, I did the math. Craig Kimbrell is, I think Craig Kimbrell's the best reliever in Bay. Maybe he's top three, whatever we could debate it. Yeah. He's made 47 appearances so far this year, and one-third of them have been three runs or more in terms of where the score is at, So, or, or they've been trailing. So... Uh, a couple blowouts, a four-run lead, nine three-run leads. And yeah. if you brought him in to start the game, it would always be, well, unless you gave up a bunch of runs or something to the opposing team in the first inning, and then you know maybe you could switch gears after that. But that's interesting. It, it, what, it, my boss said to me last night after I turned in, it's like, why did it take so long for teams to, to come to this conclusion? I mean, it's, it, it, it's a, you know eye-opener, and, and leave it to the Rays been doing this yep. a couple of years. It's yep. pretty fascinating. All right, Dan, we'll catch up. See you. See you, Dan. All right, guys, thanks. thanks. Dan Hayes, The Athletic. Dave, what's coming up in Stuff You Should Know About? We've got a lot of good stuff, including a big anniversary. 30 years ago today, a moment that changed Judd's life forever. Whoa. And I'm not talking about the invention of scrambled porn. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by your locally owned Domino's. Not at home? Not a problem because now you can get pizza delivery to over 150,000 unexpected outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more with Domino's Hotspots. Visit dominoes.com for details on Domino's Hotspots. Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. I want to know. Woo! All right, Dave Harrigan, I got to know. 30 years ago today, what the heck happened? Do you have any idea? 30 years ago. 30 years August 9th, 1988. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention the date and the year, I do. Yeah, I was sitting... Point about having to leave Edmonton. I truly admire all the fans and respect everyone over the years. I told Mess I wouldn't do this. Promised Mess I wouldn't do this. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. You and Wayne both shedding tears. I was in... You know what? It... It was a JFK moment. I could tell you exactly where I was. <laughs> no, you can't. When I heard the news of the trade, not that press conference because that came after the fact. When I heard, so you were eighteen at the time, right? Yep. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah, I was in the. Uh, I was in Wyzetta in the <laughs> sitting in my in my caravan in the parking lot of a strip mall set to go into a strip mall? down in the valley strip mall down yeah. in the valley not not to buy drug paraphernalia but to actually go purchase tapes you were in a you were in a parking lot in a van in my caravan okay in, yeah. a, in a van it yeah. was a family car how many edmonton oilers games did you even get to watch in the 1980s a ton, really? Yeah. Well, I got cable in '82, and so were they on ESPN, and they were on on. Well, Gretzky was on a lot, and, and then obviously they had that run of Stanley Cup championships, and so their playoff games were on then all the time. Right, I wa- oh playoff yeah, games. I watched uh, I watched uh, a lot, and I got to see Gretzky. Actually, the first game, the first North Star game that my dad took me and my buddy to was a nineteen-year-old Gretzky playing for the Oilers in what have been about '79 or so. Yeah, so I saw a ton. It was, uh, but it was highly emotional. But the best thing that could have happened to the National Hockey League because that took it from being a Canadian sort of regional sport to Kings games sold out for the next X amount of years because of Wayne Gretzky. How much more of the Ocho did you guys watch yesterday in the afternoon? I watched. I watched dodgeball at night. Okay, they, I they, heard that they, was pretty good. They, I didn't catch it, but Kenny no, was no, actually no. watching. They aired the movie Dodgeball. Oh, at night. okay. I did, I'm sure they did like actual dodgeball. <laughs> they showed actual they, dodgeball before, and Kenny said he was okay. watching that and loved it. No, but then they showed the movie Dodgeball at night, and I was watching <laughs> that. <laughs> did either of you catch any of the Saber League? I, Just some pictures and some tweets. I heard about it this morning on Golik and Wingo, but I didn't see it. No. And I didn't realize it took place. It, the event was June 16th in Egan here. Egan Hills Church, Amazing. Egan, Minnesota. Wow. And in fact... Innovation starts here. Wow. I mean, I don't think the sports interviews get any better than they do in the Sabre League. Let's send it down to uh, Billy or whoever it was on the sidelines. Tonight, I'm here with Kevin Cook. Kevin, how are you feeling physically... And emotionally tonight? You know, I'm a little anxious. I get anxious before all my fights, but I'm excited. It'll be a good one. Thank you, Kevin. Kevin, how, like, what have you done to prepare for this fight tonight? You know, I've been just getting back to the basics. You know, I maybe got a little in the weeds with my last fight, so I'm just trying to stick to the basics, get my strikes in quickly and accurately, and win the day, hopefully. And I should give proper credit. That's Terry doing the interviewing. Uh, Terry Birnbaum, I believe, is who we think it is. <laughs> well, co-founder a... of the Sabre League. We'll check back in on the Sabre League oh, interviews good. in a moment okay. here. <laughs> We've got a few more, but until then... Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. Get some cold cuts. <laughs> Ninth inning, Yankees-White Sox last night. Ooh, ooh. Man. <laughs> That's some freaky stuff. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, oh, I think I know what it is. 
Is this the umpire? Oh, Bruce oh. Dreckman. Oh, this is, oh, this is pulling the giant oh. moth out of his own ear with the assistance of the Yankees trainer. That's so gross. Oh, God. Did you boys know? <laughs> did you boys know circa 1976 or 77 a Twins game had to be delayed while they tried to use water to flush a moth out of the ear of then young catcher Butch Weiniger? No. Yes. Royce's told the story several times, but he had a moth fly in and they couldn't get it out. In this case, Dreckman pulls the thing out and hands it to the athletic trainer and walks away. Yes. Give me the willies. That is so gross. It looked like oh. a magic trick to me. Oh. <gasps> he just keeps pulling moths out. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> what else do I have in here? <laughs> hey, uh, Terry, who are you with now? How are you feeling mentally and physically tonight? Mentally, I Give say me appropriately nervous. And physically, I feel like Gumby. Just stretchy and ready to go. <laughs> okay. I don't, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. <clears throat> what makes you different in TSO? What, what do you bring to the table? I have no fighting experience. So I just do whatever I want to do. Very well said. Okay. <laughs> What did you do to prepare for tonight's fight? I fought at every meet that I could and fought whoever I could fight. That's about it. So you just go out there and fight and hope for the best? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is going to be a unique fight. Jimmy, what is your ultimate goal tonight? Uh, I mean, I'd, I'd say to do my best. I'd love to win, but... Kevin's really good, so I want to put on a good show, have a ton of fun, and do and go as hard as I can go. Wow. Jimmy did win that fight over wow. Kevin Cook, by the way. A uh, little-known fact, Jimmy is nicknamed the pastor because he is actually the pastor of the church where the oh, fights were good. taking wow. place. We can't beat him. I mean, that's it's like the pitch and preacher. Yeah, that's exactly okay. right. Feels like you might be asking for trouble. <gasps> it might be. Speaking of asking for trouble, maybe it's not trouble. Maybe it's a great thing. Buffalo Wild Wings, talking about accepting bets, doing a little bookmaking. Huh? What do you think of that? It's brilliant. I think it is, too. I mean, as all of these floodgates get opened up, if you are if you have a business or a platform for a bunch of sports-loving, you know, beer-drinking dudes, why not try and make some money off of them watching sports? I don't see any reason why not. Yeah. I like I'm in for this. I mean, it's no different than having pull tabs or, right. um, I guess, electronic pull tabs at the bars. It's, it's pretty much because you, you could go into a bar right now and spend a hundred dollars on pull tabs. Yeah, and, and nobody would ask you any questions, right? Yep. Like you you just bring the baskets back, and and so why can't you spend a hundred bucks on the Vikings and Broncos game? And the drunker you get, the more you bet. Brilliant I, way to make money, too. I lost, I lost on the Vikings. Who's playing at 7 tonight? Yeah. Win a couple <gasps> hundred bucks. Next round's on me. Let's stick around for a little longer. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a Beefo Brady's location in Florida that doesn't want to make money because they've decided that last year they got ah, 20 customers or so, the owner says, many of them veterans who complained. They were showing NFL games because of the protests, and they shouldn't be doing that. Uh, they've decided to not have the NFL Sunday ticket at their location this year. Mm. And instead, I'll be offering veterans 40% off their meals on Sundays. Uh, yeah, they just don't want football fans to show up. They will still be showing the local games, however, so it's kind of a cop-out. And they're going to be saving a ton then, because if, if I'm not mistaken, the red zone package, if you're a restaurant, costs a boatload because it's, it's more than, than a than a home subscriber. $5,200 yeah. is the oh, total for, for a year? NFL yeah, for, ticket. Yeah, so, I mean, that's not... 
Like for a restaurant it's that brings silly. in millions of dollars. Show the football games. It's, this has gotten silly. I'd be more upset if I was a member of give the, the wait staff. So really, you're going to not want people to come here on Sunday and give me tips? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Really? You're and right. I don't get to watch the game out of the corner of my eye when I'm doing my job? And people aren't going to complain? Like like that's going to be it? I'm glad you're not showing National Football League games. I don't want to watch them anymore. Maybe as a go-between, they could do what we do, which is just show the Red Zone channel when, when it's not playing for those seven hours. Just put it on like the U-Log channel and turn the volume up. You know, you could, so you could, you're not showing the games, but you're giving people that NFL feeling when they walk into your restaurant. 12 games tonight, and it's not a red zone exhibition night. I'm very upset. Hey, one more checkup on the Sabre League. Uh, here's Terry uh, previewing the match coming up. Oh, he's with Jason Newing, I see. I'm here with Jason Newing. Uh, tonight, he will be fighting. Who are you fighting tonight? Ryan Kappas. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> Who are you fighting again? <laughs> so, what, 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 how did these sabers work? Were they like, were they were, how, were they physically harming each other, or was it no, just like they're a light? all wearing what looks like hockey pads? Basically, they're okay. all suited up, and they have these toy lightsabers. It's a big light up stick, Those and are cool. whoever touches the other person first, they get a point. And okay, uh, you they play had pads up to how many that? points? What's that? They had pads on for that? Yeah, I mean, there's you know probably hard plastic or something. Yeah, you had a few sabers being broken. It was really treacherous stuff for a little while. They had judges. I mean, basically, I'm sad I missed if, this. Yesterday. If you've ever seen fencing in the Olympics, yeah, the exact same thing. Basically, okay. okay. You touch somebody, you get a point. It's great. I think if they were to, I would be more interested in fencing if they had no armored gear on and they used real swords. Oh heck yeah! Like like in the old days. Well, I'm when sorry. Men were men. I mean, and these swords were sharp. Even in the Olympic dead. fencing, you know, it takes like five seconds maximum for somebody to get a point. Yeah. You got these lightsaber fights in Star Wars. They take like 15, 20 minutes between Darth Vader oh, and yeah. Luke Skywalker. I'm, we got to up the talent here. Yeah. Let's go. People and have you seen uh, what's the Pierce Brosnan Bond movie from like the early 2000s where he goes through a five minute fencing scene. They're, yes. So they are fencing, but they take off the gear and use real swords. Okay. And they get to the end and nobody died. They just kind of shook hands at the end and deemed it a draw, but it was very much more entertaining than... That doesn't seem like much fun. No. It seems like death sh- should have been the end result of that. <laughs> so there's really only one medal winner. You get a gold medal and everyone else is dead at the end of the That's unfortunate. Uh, we got Roy Smalley in about 45 minutes. Matthew Collar from Training Camp, 651-646-8255. Mackie and Judd. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Give us your thoughts on that. Absolutely ridiculous. Mackey and Judd. I ain't putting up with that. On 1500. We have to put up with that nonsense. ESPN. Miss George McKay, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Charlie Heaton in the terrifying, suspenseful horror film, Marrowbone. Owen, what film critics are saying gets better with every viewing and beautifully creepy and very smart. Discover the secret of Marrowbone, directed by Sergio G. Sanchez. Own it now on 4K Ultra HD, Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD from Magnolia Home Entertainment. Enter to win a Blu-ray copy now on the 1500 ESPN stream player. Thank you, David. Let's. Joe's been on hold here. Six five one six four six eight two five five. So let's get to Joe. What's going on, Joe? You're on with Mackie and Judd. Hi guys. What's Hello, happening Joe. with you? Not not a whole lot. Frustration like every other Twins fan. But yeah, it's our are, natural you, state these days. This is fate. You and I are going to be 
instrumental in saving a superstar's career. You're talking to Roy Smalley shortly, right? Yeah, we'll have him in about, I don't know, 40 minutes. Okay, write this down. You like writing stuff down, so you remember to talk to him. <laughs> We're good at it. Byron Buxton, okay? Mm-hmm. He, Roy has got to talk to the hitting coach, and somebody's got to grab Byron by the ear and show him what he's doing. When he's standing there waiting for the pitch in his stance, he's halfway to doing the splits. He's got to get his feet closer together so he doesn't have to shift everything around to get in position to drive the ball. It'll be that simple for him. Promise you. Writing it down. But, Writing it down. Joe, the, the leg kick is back. The leg kick is here to save the day for Byron Buxton. Don't you know he, that? He doesn't need the leg, the leg kick. He just doesn't need to be doing the splits while he's waiting for the pitch. I have a better What's solution. I have a better solution, okay? okay? Let's forget hitting for Buxton. Let's develop all of the Twins pitchers into serviceable hitters so that the Twins can just DH for Buxton and he can play gold glove center field and kick back in the dugout when the, uh, when the well, offense is doing their that, thing. That might be extreme. Let's get the Twins pitching to where they can give up less than seven runs in an <laughs> inning when they go to pieces and concentrate on Byron hitting. He could hit. He just can't do it the way he's doing it. Yeah. And somebody's got to tell him that. Yeah. Joe, we I, appreciate thanks, your Joe. call and your enthusiasm. I think they've tried. And I think they've done lots and lots of work. Yeah, they um, – and and the main thing, too, here is the guy can't – even whether he's doing a leg kick or not or he's in AAA or the major leagues, the guy can't stay healthy for more than about five minutes before a wrist issue or yep. banging into a wall or something happens. It's actually a wonder that he hasn't had a more serious injury that's knocked him out for six months or so. He did have the concussion yeah, when he in the minor leagues in, like, AA. Right? Yeah, but he – you know, he has to get back up here this season so that he can face some pitching and get some reps in. And I can't believe that it's the fourth straight year we're having the same exact conversation. Well, yep. if, like, Buxton can come up in, uh, in September. And, and the, the problem, too, is is go back and look at that draft now, and there's more and more guys from around that time period now who are up and, and, oh, yeah. having, what continu- draft was that? and having continual success. I think it was 2000 and was it 14? Let's see here. Um, I think it was 2012, actually. Okay, that might be it. But anyway, my point being is now it's no it's no longer, well, he's just a young player and there's a lot of guys from that. No, there's a lot of guys from that draft class who have started to come up and have success. Yeah, just for fun. I'm going to try and find this here. You're going to depress me, aren't you? The, um, we, just want, we just want the... I'll, I'll find this here for during the commercial break. <laughs> because to, to look and see what other options yeah, you're are right, sitting 2012. there. Yep. Okay. That'd oh yeah. Right. Here we go. Round round one of 2012 is what yep. we're looking for. All right. I got it right now. Don't need to wait. Um, number one overall was Carlos Correa, and he has been sidelined for a few weeks with a back injury. But he's Carlos Correa is an absolute stud for the Astros. Yes. He was number one overall. Yep. Uh, Mike Zanino. He was a college guy, catcher. I think out of Florida, drafted number three overall, and he hasn't been amazing. But Mike Zanino has been a major league catcher now. I don't know. I, I, my guess is the Mariners would tell you we're a little bit disappointed in. Mike Zanino for the most part, but he's a little bit like Byron Buxton in some ways in that, okay, you're kind of waiting for it to spark. Mm-hmm. Kevin Gausman, Orioles, he just got, number four overall. Got traded, right? Yep. He's shown a ton of promise so far. Um, Albert Almora has been great yeah, for the Cubs this year, number not, six overall. He's not too bad at baseball. Albert Almora is one of the better defensive outfielders in baseball this year for sure, and he's hitting 300 for the Cubs. This exercise is going to depress all Twins fans, but keep going. Let's see here. Max Freed for the Padres. He doesn't. He's got a three and a half ERA, but he hasn't done a whole lot yet. But then there's other guys like Addison Russell was the 11th pick in that draft. 
Was he really? Yeah. Oh, I Corey forgot. Seager was the 18th pick in that draft. Michael Waka, 19. This was a ridiculous first round. Yeah, well, unfortunately for the Twins, they're not, oh seeing, they're not seeing the payoff that they thought they would Marcus, be at this point. Marcus Stroman went number 22. Jose Barrios also in that draft, obviously. And um, God, there's a bunch of dudes here. Yeah. Lance McCullers went 41. McCullers has been pitching. My God, he's been up for a long time. Although McCullers now. Feels like he's been up for a while. Isn't he on the DL now? A little little wing issue? Yeah, he just got put on the DL. But nonetheless, he's been pretty good. Uh, Phil, I did look and double check. You actually cannot DH for anyone but the pitcher. Well, we can change that rule. If you get that rule changed and the pitchers. I don't don't think you need to. Yeah. I don't remember. We've I think we brought this up. A couple Reavers years ago, or maybe. somebody thought you could, yeah. and, and then I you mean, had to slap them down. In you know high school and probably even college ball, you can DH for anybody. But major league, it has to be the pitcher right. in the AL. But here's what you do: I think you take a page out of the Joe Madden book. If you start Buxton as the pitcher, could you then DH him? He only has to throw one pitch. Goes to center field. He goes to wow. center field. Then you Whoa. bring the pitcher in to finish off even that batter, or maybe Buxton <laughs> throws the first batter. Do you still get to DH for Buxton then? This I love could, it. Oh, what a great baseball mind you are. I, yeah, I'm what always great, trying things. Oh, my gosh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Come back. Just stop it, you two. Yeah, would you just, honest stop to God. It. Dude, he's back-to-back yeah. birdies. He's back to plus one. I'm admit, not invested. I'm not invested something? at all. I need to admit something. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, about the 17th hole, I tweeted, uh, Tiger is... He needs gonna, to withdraw? He needs to withdraw. Yeah, I tweeted. I've got a question for you. So I actually probably shouldn't talk the rest of the radio. I brought I brought this up, but, but you weren't in the room at the time, Max. Is it more devastating to go through what you're watching with Tiger now, or if your longtime gal called you and said, Max, I found a different dude, we're done, what would devastate you more right this second? I feel like the Tiger round would. Well... If if now the if the question was if Tiger was done for the rest of history, now we could be on the same level. But around that's we could get over that. I don't feel like you can. But if but if he grabbed his back and it was obvious that yeah. he could never golf again. Yes. Now 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 that's a discussion. Yep. Max, like I said earlier, there's plenty of fish in the sea, there's only one tiger. <laughs> don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on fifteen hundred ESPN.